0: Hey guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. We got one medley of an episode today.
1: But as per usual, we're just going with it.
0: <laughs> also, these allergies are kicking my ass. I am sorry for how I sound. I really can't control it. I've been taking Claritin to the face and it's, it's not doing much. But I want to tell you guys how this episode is going to go down. Basically, a couple of things happened. First of all, Wednesday night is the Vanderpump finale, and then immediately after the finale, Ariana's appearing solo on Watch What Happens. So Isabel and I decided, like, this Bravo episode has to be entirely devoted to Vanderpump. So what we're doing for this episode, given that there weren't so many regular news stories anyway, Julie and I are going to come on here, we'll do our news segment, And then at the end, Isabel is coming on, we're doing a Summer House segment and also reacting to the Vanderpump reunion trailer that was released last week that we didn't get a chance to discuss. So the Bravo episode is kind of being split up into two this week because really the focus is Vanderpump, but we didn't want to miss an opportunity to talk about Summer House. So that's kind of the plan we're sticking with at the moment.
1: I can't wait for that Vanderpump episode, I won't lie.
0: You getting into the season of Vanderpump was the best thing to happen to me.
1: I've been watching it without you every episode. (laughs) And then listening
0: to the podcast.
1: (laughs) I know. You and Isabel asked you to listen to it as like a re-listen. And I was listening to it. And I forgot that I was supposed to be listening like with my ears on to pay attention to anything that you needed me to. And I texted you. I was like, I cannot believe that I listened to yours and Isabel's podcast as a literal fan.
0: No, that was like the weirdest thing to happen. Do you think? Here's my question: Do you think that you would have gotten as into Vanderpump this season with everything going on if you and I didn't basically live together in Florida this winter? Because you had to watch it because I was watching it. Do you think that you would have watched it anyway?
1: Yeah, because I can't have everybody talking about something to this extent and not know what's going on.
0: Okay, so not a hell of a lot going on regular news wise, honestly. I don't know how you feel. I want to start with this rumor that isn't necessarily news, but the amount of DMs we got about it were kind of overwhelming. So this started on Dumois. Because Dumois got a submission, the subject was Starlet looking for vacay property and maybe more. And the message said, this A-list reality star was spotted touring properties in this warm location. The thing is, she was using a certain newly single A-list athlete's golf cart as her mode of transportation. Just friends or maybe more. So then via page six, Kim Kardashian shopping for home in Tom Brady's community pair are, quote, friendly. I'm going to read this and then we'll discuss. Kim Kardashian and Tom Brady have struck up a friendship as she looks to buy a vacation home in his exclusive Bahamas neighborhood, multiple sources confirmed to Page Six. Kardashian got Brady's advice ahead of making a trip to look at property at Baker's Bay Golf and Ocean Club, an exclusive members-only residential community in the Bahamas, we're told. Kim flew out to the Bahamas this weekend and was spotted touring the resort. A well-placed source tells Page Six, quote, Kim really likes Tom. She phoned him and asked for his advice on Baker's Bay. However, the insider tells us there's currently, quote, no romance between the two. Kardashian was seen being driven around the resort in a golf cart, although it did not belong to Brady, despite rumors, we're told. Tom was not in the Bahamas at the time of Kim's tour. This is like, what what do you think about this?
1: I don't think anyone was taking this too seriously, but definitely allowing themselves to go there for a second. And then we find out that it's it's not even his golf cart. Like I don't know to me I I never gave this this rumor much but I just feel like we as a society have to decide that if we're going to get on board with a rumor we need a little bit more.
0: Okay, so here's here's the thing though and this is where we are very hypocritical. In general, if I just heard you say that, I would agree with you, right? Like if we really wanna dive in deep on a rumor, we at least have to extract some aspects of truth from it. The thing is, if it was a couple that we were more excited by, like let's say it was this exact same story, but instead of it being Tom Brady, it was Drake, and it ended up not being Drake's golf cart, you and I would have come on here and said, you know what, there's not a lot of substance to this, but that little glimmer of hope, that's enough, we're all in on this. So I think it's honestly subjective
1: no it's not it's not what we would have said what we would have said is that based on exactly the scenario you're describing like i think we would have said guys it's obviously nothing and this doesn't mean anything but just for the fun of the podcast like maybe we can go there like maybe we can just discuss it in a fantasy world the only reason that we're not discussing this tom brady thing with any sort of validity here isn't because we're not into the couple and therefore being into drake gives it more validity it just gives it more fantasy there's no there's no fantasy i've ever had that involves tom brady
0: and especially tom brady with kim i don't know how anyone else feels to me that does nothing for me although listen the the caveat that has to be given is that as we've discussed many times when the initial kim and pete rumors came out we physically could not have been more incorrect so technically is anything possible yes there is just no world in which this is this is even remotely a thing to me. I just think, you know, Kim is in this universe now where it's not at all uncommon that she would phone Tom Brady for a favor. And if it was his golf cart, that would also make sense. You know, she is in this group of very, very high powered, very famous people. They all exchange favors. I'm even going to go as far as to say, I don't think it's the craziest thing if next week Kim's going through her PR and she does those stories where she tags in the typewriter text on bottom and white writing who sent it from her that Tom Brady is sending TB12 gear and she's Posting that in the gym, which of course would send the internet into a tailspin. But to me, it's just friends support each other's company. So, yeah, I don't know. I think this is like hilarious, but not necessarily fun to fantasize about.
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, it, I'll actually go as far as to say that usually when rumors come up about Kim and other equally famous, if not more, or even less famous people, I'm usually like, I don't know if I believe it, but I'm willing to go there because how fun would it be to talk about it? Or like, how fun pop culture wise would it be if that was true? This is one of the first ones that have come up where I'm like, I hope that's not true.
0: Me too. And also, which we were going to talk about this in the Kardashian recap, and we will, we'll put a pin in it. But you know, there's a whole camp of people that think Kim is dating a Laker.
1: Yeah, I've seen that. There's nothing to that. I mean, they think she's dating Lonnie Walker. I think I saw on TikTok. They literally just think that because she's been at multiple Laker games and he played really well in that one game, I think. I think. I think Kim is is entering this phase of her single life where she is going to be rumored to be dating pretty much everybody who is also single that she crosses paths with. And I think she says that in one of the uh, previews for Kardashians where she tells the family, she has an announcement, she has to tell them something. And I think Chris jokingly says, what, you're pregnant? And she says, with whose kid? Like, one of the everybody that I'm dating. Like, she makes a reference to have everybody think she's dating everybody. So I think that's just what we're, we have on our hands here with Kim.
0: Which, by the way, I'm, I'm here for. I think this is a very fun era for her to be in.
1: Yeah, me too. Because it's kind of one of those things where when people think you're dating everybody when you're actually dating somebody, it can kind of go by the wayside without notice because it just falls into the whole pool of rumors. So even if she hooks up with Tom Brady once, it's like, oh yeah, Kim's just dating
0: everybody. Here's the thing, sorry, just going back to the Brady thing, I know we're kind of off it. I am the first one to say that there are so many hookups that happen one time, two times, three times, even more. No one ever finds out about it. And it just kind of goes into what you could call the Gwyneth Paltrow arsenal of as she said on Call Her Daddy, those are just the ones that you know about, right? Like I fully believe that. Tom Brady just does not strike me as the guy that Kim is looking to have a little fling with.
1: Well, because he seems so robotic. You can't imagine that Tom Brady is that good in bed.
0: The like maybe four straight males that listen to this podcast are disagreeing with you heavy.
1: Well, that's the whole thing. It's like, that is the funniest thing about Tom Brady is that only straight guys find him attractive. I have never once heard a girl be like, oh yeah, Tom Brady's my top.
0: Never once. It definitely exists though. Yeah, like- Well, I mean, I mean, okay, but here's the thing. The one that did is Giselle. Like (laughs) if I'm Tom Brady, I'm like, I don't give a shit what you say because it only takes one. And the one just so happened to be the number one supermodel in the world. So I guess at the end of the day, he's having the last laugh. I just- I don't know, him and Kim, I'm just not seeing it. Is anyone, anyone uh, feel strongly?
1: I just have to say, and I know this is a hilarious conversation because I think Tom Brady is maybe considered conventionally attractive, but I think every girl who has guy friends knows like that straight guys think Tom Brady is more attractive than any girl does. But I do feel like even Giselle was fighting for her life in the group chat at first. Like, oh my God, no, I know he's Tom Brady, but like, I also do, I do, I find him, like, I think he's, he's
0: so hot to me. I think the irony about this is that if you were to put a lot of his qualities on paper, they're theoretically things that you and I would be very drawn to. You know, tall, athletic, strong, very ambitious, work ethic, focused, all of those things. I don't know how to say this. It's like almost just the personification of a little bit of an ick.
1: I mean, he's giving white bread.
0: Yeah, which, by the way, fucking delicious.
1: Yeah, fucking delicious, but you don't want to fuck white bread. All right, but- I'll Fine, look. you know what? You may want to fuck white bread. You never want to fuck oatmeal. And to me, Tom Brady gives oatmeal.
0: Okay, I was going to say, speak for yourself on the, on the fucking white bread, especially a grilled one. Mm.
1: But here's the thing. If somebody puts a slice of white bread in front of you versus like a hot focaccia, like fuck the white bread. You're never even right. going to even look at its direction. So like yeah. compared to like a lot of other guys, Tom Brady is giving a slice of white bread.
0: Yeah. If I'm choosing, obviously it's focaccia Any Day of the Week. If I'm really choosing, you really want to get down to it, it's the Cheesecake Factory brown bread.
1: Yeah, of course. And honestly, I'm just out here looking for a little bit of seated rye.
0: Give me a little bit of seated rye, throw on some brisket. We're going to have ourselves a day. True. This isn't necessarily a news story in the traditional sense, but this happened this morning, and obviously we have to mention it. Martha Stewart is one of the cover stars of the 2023 Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. And first of all, for anyone who has not seen the photos, we will put the link in the description. They absolutely took us out. But second of all, it just feels so fulfilling to have this tangible representation of Martha Stewart's icon behavior. You know, it's like we all knew what's happening. We saw it in the comments. We saw it in everything she does. But these actual physical covers that I cannot wait to get my hands on, like that is the thing that I am so excited to see, to talk about, to just be alive for.
1: We've said it once, we'll say it a million times, our favorite person on social media, both in their own posting, in their captions, in their comments, and their content overall, 100% hands down, it is Martha Stewart.
0: I just want to read one excerpt from the issue. Martha Stewart is the founder of the first multi-channel lifestyle company, an entrepreneur, the best-selling author of 99 lifestyle books to date, and an Emmy award-winning television show host. Reaching more than 100 million fans on a monthly basis through her magazines, television shows, books, and products for the home, she's the go-to source for the homemaker. Stewart is the OG of influencers. Quote, when I heard that I was going to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated swimsuit, I thought, oh, that's pretty good. I'm going to be the oldest person I think ever on a cover of Sports Illustrated, Stewart casually admits. And I don't think about age very much, but I thought that this is kind of historic. Stewart says she was motivated to participate in the 2023 SI swimsuit issue to demonstrate that women can look good and feel great at any age. Quote, age is not the determining factor in terms of friendship or in terms of success, but what people do, how people think, how people act, that's what's important and not your age, she says. Fucking love this woman.
1: And so many of our favorite comments and posts that we've ever done have been Martha Stewart posts. Most recently, the infamous What's Queso post. The one where we did, which is still my favorite, and I talk about this all the time, the Martha's Dumois confirmed. And it was just every picture of her running into a celebrity somewhere at dinner with a celebrity, a celebrity over at her house. Like she just, she works the internet and the world of celebrity in such a unique and special way where I think the reason that we love it so much too is because she's not even aware of the fact that she's doing it most of the time.
0: that's really the charm of it all. Because so many times I think what can be off-putting is just how aware you are of how aware the celebrity is of what they're doing. And with Martha, you know, we always say there's at Martha Stewart, and then there's at Martha Stewart 48. And those are two totally different worlds. At Martha Stewart, very curated brand page run by a team. At Martha Stewart 48, that is truly Martha Stewart herself running that account from her Bedford, New York home. I'm not saying she doesn't need help with posting certain things, but That is her. That is her responding to the comments. I mean, we have studied comments for the last, what, six years, and you can tell when it's the person versus when it's not. I'm telling you right now, Martha Stewart, 48, that's coming directly from her. And it's exactly what you said. It's her being both unaware of how hysterical she is, yet at the same time, being very aware of how iconic she is. And it's the combination of the two because it allows her to say whatever the fuck she wants, yet with such conviction. And to me, that's the magic of it. It's not so dissimilar from a Kathy Hilton.
1: Yes, similar but different. Martha is more aware of her funniness and her icon behavior, whereas Kathy Hillen kind of only realized that as a result of the response to her, where Martha is so cemented in who she is. I mean, she really defies age in a way where it goes far beyond this cover.
0: Yeah, it's the wit, it's the savviness. It's, there's there's a lot to it, yeah. I just love this. It was like, what a fun thing to see when you wake up on Monday morning that Martha Stewart is one of the cover stars for. Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issued. Shout out to AstroPro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me, to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with AstroPro. Go to astroproallergy.com for a discount so you can AstroPro and go today. A S T E P R O allergy.com. AstroPro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. So Mother's Day is coming up. And I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because Realistically, no gift is gonna do justice for how much you love and appreciate her, but I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I wanna tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting auraframes.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. I do want to move into something that we were really surprised by. I know not everyone's going to care about this one, but I certainly think it's newsworthy enough to mention. So on Thursday, it was revealed that Jeremy Allen White, who's most known for his role as Lip and Shameless, and his wife, Addison Timlin, were divorcing after three years of marriage, and she was the one to file for divorce. So just a quick moment of background. They have two daughters together. They first met in 2008. 2018, they had their first kid. 2019, they got married at a Beverly Hills courthouse. And 2020, they had their second kid. So this news comes out on Thursday and just a few days later on Mother's Day, she puts up this post. It's a very long post. It's beautifully written. You can definitely read it. But in it, there were some lines that point to her confirming the news and also just things that give us a better sense as to the timeline because she starts it out by saying, being a single mom is not how I pictured it. Later on in the post, she says, doing it alone has given me more strength and more empathy and more tears than anything else in my life ever has. And she then goes on to thank everyone who has helped her over the past nine months. Which is interesting because in January of this year, he took home the Golden Globe for his role in The Bear. And during his speech, you know, he thanked Addison, who was in attendance with him, saying, I love you deep in my bones. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for everything that you've done. And later on Instagram, she posted saying, when we were 14 years old and I saw you perform for the first time in drama class, I couldn't take my eyes off you. When we'd run your lines for Shameless, I'd be so tickled knowing beforehand what everyone would get to witness the next day on set. When I watched the pilot for the bear, I cried my fucking heart out. I think somewhere I must have known how much life was about to change, but mostly I just knew what the world was about to discover what I've known all along. What a privilege it's been to know first. I love this picture so much because you look 14 and 31 at the same time. Watching you in on Tuesday was one of the most overwhelming dimension-hopping moments of my whole life. Watching you in last night while holding your two babies was pretty out of this world too. Daddy win another trophy winner's cup. We're so proud. Which like, again, you know, that's just a snapshot in time. I know there's a big difference between January and May. Anything could have happened. It was just interesting because in this post, she references the last nine months, which I know, you know, could have been anything, but she's specifically referring to being a quote, single mom. So I'm, I'd am i be lying to you if I said that I am not very curious as to what went down at the same time while very much respecting their privacy because I feel like it, it kind of cut deep.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting post that creates a very interesting timeline, especially January, which definitely was (laughs) a shorter time ago than nine months. And you and I were talking about before when we started recording, when we were discussing about what the caption could mean, you were saying, well, nine months doesn't necessarily mean that they were separated then, which is true, but it just seems like a very specific amount of time to throw out to not mean that. And You know, Jeremy Allen Waite has a lot of success coming off of the bear. Obviously, a lot of people knew him first from Shameless, but I think the bear kind of catapulted him into a little bit more of a mainstream fame. And so things obviously changed from that, which again is something that she referenced in that post after he won the Golden Globe saying, I knew everything was about to change kind of. But yeah, that nine months to me sets a timeline of separation, not just him being busy and working and out of the house.
0: Yeah, I don't I just think there's more to this story. That's all I'm gonna say, but I, I have to imagine more things will kind of come out.
1: Don't you kind of feel like there's more to this? Oh, I think there has to be. I'm yeah. very interested in it. I mean, like Me listen, too. again, like it's not like I was overly invested in this couple. I think that they were a couple that people and no one had been together for a very, very long time. I don't think anybody was overly invested in the story, but I think they liked the origin of it and they thought they were a very cute couple. And people have become very attached to Jeremy Allen White in the past, I would say, couple of years, but specifically the last year. And so to see it kind of go down in this way definitely leaves people with a lot of questions.
0: Yeah, we'll keep an eye out for this one. I mean, I, I think just generally speaking, even removing them, it is always interesting when a new story like this breaks and then just a few days later, there's an occasion that one of the people included would be posting for. So like, it's possible that she could have made a Mother's Day post that had nothing to do with her being single. It's just interesting that three days after the news story breaks, she herself confirms it in a very emotional post. You don't normally get that quick of a turnaround. That's all. Totally. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And... Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash cbc for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's com slash cbc to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash cbc. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Okay, so moving on to the Kardashian recap, which there's really not that much going on this week. As we mentioned earlier, Kim is really enjoying going to these Lakers playoff games. She's been at three so far. I know there's the whole Tristan element, which I don't even think is worth discussing. Like, to me, Kim is at a Lakers playoff game. Tristan Thompson happens to be on the team. I know there's a lot of theories about her going kind of almost in Chloe's place as a way to show the family support and also warm the public up to the idea of a Chloe Tristan rekindling. As you know, if you're a weekly listener, that's not a reality that we are considering, although it's certainly a conversation worth having. I did want to mention, because we got a lot of DMs of people curious, the woman in the photos with Kim, we'll put a link in the description in case you haven't seen those, is Sarah Sodinger, who is the founder of Sod Clothing, but also the wife to Ari Emanuel, who's the CEO of WME. So those are Ari Emanuels seats that Kim is sitting in. I know also a lot of people think that she's dating Lonnie Walker on the Lakers. Which, by the way, is it possible she's dating a Laker totally? I just love seeing her at the game. I just think it's fun.
1: To me, it just makes sense. Like, she is such a fucking LA girl at heart. It makes sense that she would be there for a Lakers playoff game. Chris and Corey are there too. Kendall's there with Bad Bunny, which is such a funny and interesting thing about Kim where Bad Bunny and Kendall make their public debut together at this game. And yes, of course, everybody was talking about that. But somehow the conversation still skews a little bit more towards Kim, which is just it's crazy to me because it's not even a story.
0: I know it's like somehow her wearing the I love nerds shirt tied up in the back becomes more of a story than anything else. Which I actually did want to mention to you. Have you guys seen this? Because I I said this to you, Julie, a few days ago and you didn't agree with me, I don't think. I am not normally one to like live and die by this, and I'm not. I, I fully think Kendall and Bad Buddy are like having a good time. It seems fun. It seems great. Those photos of them together, though, the body language jumped out to me of like, he is seemingly, if you're only analyzing this from a body language perspective, so much more into it. She was fully angled away from him a lot of the time. I know it could just be how they were sitting. It was one photograph. I'm I'm not saying it's like a end-all-be-all signal, but he was fully turned towards her leaning in and. I don't know, her body language was just not giving that reciprocated amount of attention. But I feel like we were not on the same page about that.
1: Yeah, because I think that's just Kendall's body language. Like, I think she's a little bit uncomfortable by this whole thing still and think about her and Devin Booker's relationship. We didn't really see them do this. We saw paparazzi shots of them. We saw them go places together, but courtside at a playoff Knicks game, it's a pretty big deal for Kendall to be with somebody she's dating, especially this early on in a relationship. It's kind of like what we were saying about Taylor Swift and Joel Alwyn, how six years went by and it was one of the most private relationships we'd ever seen. And now all of a sudden she's dating Maddie Healy, we're only a couple of weeks in and he's been at six of her shows. They've been spotted at Casa Cipriani holding hands. And then they were seen in a paparazzi shot going back to her Nashville condo. It's like all of the rules all of a sudden kind of changed a little bit. And so what I think you're seeing with Kendall is not necessarily a representation of how into it she is. I think it's more her adjusting to this idea of being a public couple.
0: Okay. So my response to that would be like, in theory, yes, what you're saying makes sense. But if you're already gonna do the thing, right? If you are already going to go to a courtside Lakers game, which is one of the most publicized events that you can go to as a celebrity, you're already doing the thing. I don't think the then keeping it separate occurs there. For example, if we're talking about, you know, Taylor and, and Maddie Healy, they were out at Casa Cibriana together and they were holding hands. It's like they already did the thing. They're not gonna then in the place act separate. That's that's the thing. I don't know. I, okay. Maybe I'm off. I'm not saying she's not into it. I'm just saying, if you were to ask me which one of them is more into it, and I was using those photos as my evidence, hands down, I'm saying him. And I guess the other thing about this is like, this is also dependent on how much weight you put into body language. You know, like how we always say, following on Instagram or liking a photo on Instagram, we don't, at all holds is like the end all be all, and I'm not saying body language is. But if I'm ranking the things that make me give more life to a story, I would put body language significantly higher than like tagging someone in an Insta story or following. Like I, I put I put that stuff having much less weight.
1: Okay, so here's my thing with Kendall. I I typically agree with you. I think body language is a really important indicator. I just think that. We know Kendall pretty well. For a member of the family who has seemingly hid away from the cameras and has very much expressed not wanting to be as public as the rest of her siblings, we've also seen a lot of her over the years. And we kind of know the way in which she operates and thinks and works. And Kendall has a very anxious brain. And so I don't think that her sitting courtside and having this body language is necessarily her sitting there saying, I'm going to be separate from him now that we're doing the thing. It's her sitting there saying like, okay, and if I do this certain thing or if I lean this certain way or if I look too into it, then they're going to do this and they're going to say this and they're going to post this picture. Like, I think that she is constantly on edge about how she appears to the rest of the public. And so I think that it's not being with Bad Bunny that is something that's uncomfortable for her. I think the idea of being with a significant other who she's been dating for such a short period of time, this publicly is not the thing that she's the most comfortable with. I agree that her body language was a little off. I don't think it's reacting to him, although it totally could be. I just think it's her reacting to the uncomfortableness of the situation that she's not used to finding herself in.
0: No, it's totally possible. I hear you. I don't entirely disagree. I just think that where we aren't fully aligned here is that there's more of, to me at least, there's more of a subconscious element at play, which is like, yes, she may be overly conscious of this situation in terms of knowing all eyes are on her, but I think that that can manifest itself not necessarily in her body language. I actually think the body language could be just more of a subconscious indicator. Again. Who the fuck knows? We're not going to know. And there's a really good chance this relationship continues and it's a fun fling and it goes on. I'm not saying this means that they're breaking up next week by any means. I just think there's something that happens to you when you're like so drawn to the other person, even if it's just physically or sexually, We're like your pelvis is just turned towards them. I, I don't know. Not the what am I gosh. eating? I mean, I'm no, no, just projecting. I just, I just,
1: no, I don't think that's it. I just think for Kendall to be doing it in the first place, like I think that, I, okay, Here's what it is. I think that reading into body language is pointless when she's, uh, like you said, already doing the thing. Like for Kendall to be this public with him, for Kendall to show up courtside with him, like Kendall has to really, really like him for this relationship to be progressing in the way that it is. And so it's actually the opposite of what you're saying, which is like the physical act of her being there is already covering the bases of like, well, she's doing it.
0: I think she is very into it. I think she is not as into it as he is. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying she's not into it. Clearly, there's no fucking world in which she would be going to Coachella, introducing him to all of her friends, being courtside a Lakers playoff game. Obviously not. I am only putting it in comparison to him. And I think if you are asking me which one of them is more into it, I'm, I'm going with him any day of the week.
1: Okay. I, I can maybe see it.
0: And you, by the way, you don't have to see it. I like we never disagree. Let us disagree once in a in a blue moon.
1: Oh, I it's okay. Here's what people always don't get with the disagreement thing. I'm fine with disagreeing. I just don't like when we end a point without understanding what the other person is saying.
0: But I think we do now, right?
1: Right in this in this point, yes. But that, no, I'm just yeah. saying in general when people are like they don't fight and they always end up agreeing. Like I don't need to agree. I just need you to feel heard and for me to feel heard.
0: Yeah, but oh, duh. What do you mean? That's like the foundation of our friendship. Yeah, duh. A lot like people don't know that. <laughs> that is literally like the. If I honestly had to say one of like one of the core points of our relationship, all three of us, it would be like making sure there is complete and one hundred percent understanding, hearing, seeing. Like that is yeah. That's a yes. that's a core. Yeah, for sure. Okay. The only really other thing to mention is we got a couple of other mini trailers. They're not like trailers worth (laughs) breaking down, like the two-minute one that we did an hour episode on. But what I will say is that I am hopeful we're going to get some more Kanye stuff.
1: That one of Kim where she's like, all of this is part of our journey and everyone has their own truth of how they think something happened. So let's talk about it. Like That to me is setting the scene for a lot of Kanye conversation.
0: No, I really do agree. I feel hopeful. All we can do is hope. So- If you're listening to this and you're watching Kardashians, let's just hope.
1: And we're going to find out soon.
0: So soon. So fucking soon. Next week.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. I can't wait.
0: I know. I know. Okay. Well, let us now transition to mine and Isabel's mini Bravo conversation. It was really just the New York Legacy News, the Vanderpump trailer from last week that we didn't get a chance to discuss, and then Summer House then of course, like I said, the Bravo episode this week will just be dedicated to all things Vanderpump. We're going to record that at 10.45 PM Wednesday night after Ariana's on Watch What Happens after the Vanderpump finale, which by the way, me and Isabel already recorded this this uh, Bravo segment. And like I, have, I was saying to her, which I feel like you'll totally relate to, I have such strong feelings about this Lindsay Danielle Carl thing. And I was so happy with the way that I presented it last week. And this week, I don't know if I feel that way. I was kind of all over the place, but like, whatever. We just got to go with it, right?
1: Just like I said in the beginning of this episode, we are always just going with it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Story of our lives. Okay. Well, we love you guys. For non-Bravo watchers, I guess this is the end. And for Bravo watchers, stay tuned for that segment. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they are the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off and limited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company for every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash cbc. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash cbc for 10% off your first order. Okay, now moving into our Bravo segment. Hey, Is. Hi, I'm happy to be here. I know we come on here thinking we're going to do VPR trailer in Summerhouse,
2: and then this New York legacy news comes out of left field. Okay, uh, maybe I'm in the minority. I'm not really sure, but I am so excited about this. I'm just choosing to be optimistic. Is this the Roni legacy we were expecting when we first heard the news so many months ago? Probably not. Now it's an ultimate girls trip. They're going back to the house in St. Barthes where Aviva Drescher called Sonia and Ramona white trash, where Luann maybe or maybe didn't hook up with the pirate, where Heather Thompson broke her nose. And uh, like, that's just good enough for me. I'm happy.
0: We have Kelly Clorin, Ben Simone, Luann, Dorinda, Sonia, Ramona, and Kristen Tegman. I'm pumped. I have nothing else to say but that. I mean, how are we going to put all these women together in a house in St. Bart's and not have TV magic? Of course we will.
2: Of course we will. Luann, Dorinda, Sonia, and Ramona, just even seeing pictures of them when they hang out or seeing them today at the upfronts, Putting them on a trip, Ramona's going to complain about her drinks. I'm sure she'll get into it with Kristen again. God knows what will happen with Kelly. She probably will make some hilarious TikToks. Like It's just going to be fabulous. Like I'm really excited. And I think doing it as an Ultimate Girls Trip was an incredible compromise because there were a lot of moving parts trying to make this happen at all.
0: I mean, I think the other thing to acknowledge here is that these women have been off of our screens for a little while and not by their choosing. So
2: if there was ever a time for them to bring it, it is now. If I know anything about these women, they are going to leave nothing behind or on the table.
0: We also today got the new trailer for the new Housewives of New York, which is premiering July 16th. Hard to tell. I know we are all very skeptical, but I do think it's a solid group of women. And, you know, we've said this before, but as long as we're not going into it, comparing it to OG New York, because it will never be OG New York, it will be something different. I think we could have ourselves a really good season.
2: It just feels so weird to see it as season 14 of Real Housewives of New York when it should really be like season one, part B, like the new chapter. I don't know, just something about it being the 14th season. It's like, no, this is a season one, but I'm ready. I'm ready for it. I think it'll be good. And I'm hoping it will give us like a Miami energy, which is just, I think, the gold standard of these new shows when they come back for us, at least. Okay,
0: getting into this Vanderpump trailer. I mean, you guys... Listen, by the time this episode comes out, we'll only have one more day until the Vanderpump finale and Ariana on Watch What Happens, which kind of feels as though the reunion trailer was left in the dust since we didn't get to talk about it last week. But we need a moment to just freak out. Like, it's not even that either of us have anything profound to say necessarily. We only got bits
2: and pieces. But holy fuck. This just brought me right back to where we were the day that it was filming and how close after everything happened that this was filmed. Seeing Raquel and Tom in the trailer together in those black outfits that we saw them, you know, in the paparazzi photos, fucking paparazzi swarming the reunion. Like, what? Ariana showing up in the 1-800-BOYS-LIE sweatsuit and Lala and seeing that Tom and James are the ones that get into the fight. Like everything about this, it gave us so much without ruining anything. Not that there is that much to ruin. We know what goes down, but just like seeing them all in the same room hashing it out is just a high I will never get over. So actually, like, have it in front of us. Oh my God.
0: Ariana in the green room saying, I don't see anything good coming for either of those fucking rats. The Andy voiceover, a reunion that may be more explosive and dramatic than anything we've ever seen in the show's 10 year history. Ariana to Tom, don't even look at me. You don't even deserve to look at this. Oh
2: my God. Tell me if you agree with this. I was expecting for Ariana to sort of lean one way or another in terms of really crying emotional versus like a fuck you attitude. And I mean, in the trailer alone, we see that she has both sides, which like, of course is totally normal, but I'm almost glad that she was able to not lean one way or the other, because I think both are like such a normal reaction. And again, this was so soon after. It's not like she had a lot of time to come to terms with it. Like she had to show up, put on that fucking red cutout revenge dress and leave it all on the table. I mean, it might be frustrating for everyone to watch this now after they've had time. And it's like, I should have said this. I should have said that. Now we're learning more. But for us, it's all going to be brand new information.
0: No, I had a very similar takeaway in terms of the reactions of hers that we saw in this trailer, and that you know, obviously, the general energy by the Bravo fans and by the cast has been this real "fuck you" to Rock Allen Sandoval, which Ariana definitely has as well. But they were together for a decade, and this was one of her best friends. Of course, there's real sadness. Of course, there's tears. You know, she's not above tears, even while maintaining her strength. And so, I very much agree. Being able to see both sides, I just, I hope that she walked away from this experience. And even though. Even just the reunion, I'm sure on some level was traumatizing, having to relive it. I hope that she walked away feeling empowered because that's how I felt on her behalf just watching this.
2: I also forgot that there would be other things discussed. Like in my mind, this is just gonna be three plus hours of Tom, Raquel, Ariana and breaking all of that down. Whereas like we see a little bit of Katie and Tom and talking about their relationship and maybe other shit that went down this season, which like, yeah, yeah is amazing. And I cared about so much, but like, I I just, I literally forgot. Like when that came up, I was like, wait, oh yeah. Schwartz and Katie have a lot of shit to work out too. Yeah. There's like also
0: an entire other show going on. I know. What about, wait, the moment when Katie says, Tom, when did you find out they were fucking dude? And Schwartz says, late August. Sandoval goes, August? Schwartz
2: is like, yeah, that's what you told me. And Lola goes, oh, did you guys not put your timelines together to match? That is amazing. That is exactly what I was picturing. Like, Everyone just ragging on them and trying to find out these answers. I mean, even when Lala at the end, when Andy says to Tom, so are you in love? And Lala's like, come on, it's just a simple question, like yes or no. Everyone getting involved and doing the job of Andy and just like the audience and asking and saying what we would want to commentate on, like that is what is so important to me. And I really think happens a lot more in the Vanderpump, Southern Charm, Summer House cruise than it does with the housewives because the housewives don't like it. Whereas these quote, younger generation shows, I feel like have a little bit more, I don't know, I guess a pulse on what's going on and the questions they'd want to ask and maybe just more balls to do it. Well, I also think, listen, it Not to say Andy
0: didn't have a reaction to this. Of course he did. He was floored as the rest of us were. And he was also very pissed on Ariana's behalf, but he doesn't have the same emotion behind it as the rest of the cast does. Like you can't compare Sheena's reaction to the news and Andy's reaction to the news. So yes, you need Andy to keep everything going and to make sure that logistically all the points are being hit. But that's why you need Lala adding pressure. You know, you need these moments where it just, it personalizes it a little bit more. And I I just, I am so fucking excited. Like I cannot remember the last time I've been this excited for a reality TV event. I can't believe we're getting this. It's un-fucking-believable.
2: I also think this finale is literally going to blow our minds because it's all the new footage the day and the day after Scandaball broke. So we have a couple good weeks of television coming up, and I seriously cannot wait.
0: which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like, you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter-looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit, Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities and makeup artists and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Okay, so moving on to Summer House, which there's so much to discuss here. I don't know how you felt, but to me, the response that I had to last week's episode was probably the strongest of a reaction I could have to one of these shows and that like I really felt it personally the way that I was reacting to the way that Danielle was at that engagement party. Whereas this week it carried through there's still so much. It wasn't the
2: same intensity level, but there is a lot here. Wait, there's I'm like just looking at our outline right now. This was a fucking stacked episode of Summer House. Like we have Carl and Lindsay stuff without them being there. Then we have this whole thing with Danielle and the hats, which I am dying to analyze with you. And we have some Craig and Page stuff. Like this was such a good episode of Summer House. And honestly, nothing like really filler.
0: No, no. It was, it was like, I would say excellent. Would you say excellent?
2: I would say excellent.
0: <laughs> I mean, I honestly think that first scene, which was a continuation from last week where Carl and Kyle are in the alleyway, that was one of the rawest moments we had seen for so many reasons, but specifically because it wasn't as though Carl had time to process his conversation with Robert and then he was coming to Kyle. That was Carl processing his conversation with Robert in real time and the cameras against his wishes just so happened to be there. Like It really felt as though you were just a fly in the wall for an interaction that wasn't supposed to be filmed.
2: Yeah. And I think the emotions are so high. Like When you're having a even the happiest of moments in your life, you are just at a level 100 naturally. And sometimes that can make things just feel so big and out of your control. And I think at that moment, he sort of felt the weight of the world on his shoulders and like, did I really do something to fuck it up? Did I really ruin Lindsay and Danielle's friendship? Like, You're almost not thinking logically. And You know, what I found very telling about this scene was not even just between Carl and Kyle. I think they actually had like a lovely friend moment and Kyle was really helping him calm down and see things from a new perspective. But Lindsay coming in hot and immediately just being on the defense with Kyle and Kyle's like, whoa, you don't even know what's been going on here. Like I am on your team right now. I'm helping Carl. And I've been saying nothing but nice things about you tonight and helping with this proposal and trying to make it exciting for everyone in the house. But Lindsay, I I don't know, that was sort of like her default reaction to him. Did you feel like that too?
0: I did feel that way. But honestly, it was so much less to me about the Kyle of it all. He was almost a casualty in all of this. And so much more about that initial interaction between Carl and Lindsay because... Carl was really going through it, which, like, I really want to analyze all of those thoughts and emotions and feelings he was having in one second. But when Lindsay comes out and after, you know, she has that moment with Kyle, she says to Carl, I told you Danielle was going to do this and I told you you were not going to feel bad about it. Remember? And then you still feel bad about it. And he was like, yeah, because I'm a human being and I don't like hurting someone's feelings. And I don't know. I did not like that one interaction. I, you know, if, of course, listen, if I'm Lindsay, I'm just pissed. I am pissed that my engagement weekend, one of the happiest weekends of my life is being even remotely tarnished by Danielle's bullshit. Like I I get why she is so annoyed and her annoyance isn't directed at Carl, it's directed at Danielle. But of course she just has a sour taste in her mouth about the entire thing. I get it. But it was like in that moment, I wish that she could have just made Carl feel a little bit more seen. You know, she was very invalidating to his emotions because she is so pissed at the person that is causing him to have these emotions. And I get it, but I didn't feel like it was sufficient because I I just wish she could have taken that second to say, okay, like, let's talk about this, even though she didn't want to.
2: Yeah, I think she's just really mad at the whole situation and she doesn't want Carl to sort of like succumb to it because she's able not to. And- you know, he was having an emotional moment with his best friend. It just it's just like a lot going on. It's a lot for anybody to handle and then the cameras are rolling. It's like must be very, very overwhelming.
0: I just think that one of the biggest differences between Carl and Lindsay is the way in which they react to situations, not even in terms of their actual interaction with another human being. Like I'm not talking about a few weeks ago where Lindsay was so pissed that Carl didn't go to bat for her with Danielle in the way that she would have wanted him to, or maybe the way that she would have. I'm talking about the way in which they emotionally process things. And so what I see happening here is like Lindsay is getting pissed that Carl's emotional reaction doesn't match what hers would have been in this situation because hers wouldn't have been to internalize and to feel bad and to feel empathetic towards Danielle. It would have been, no, fuck you, and this is what I'm doing. And in that moment, that's not where it was hitting Carl. In that moment, it was making him feel insecure and sad and guilty for hurting someone, not even saying that he was like quote, right for that. But that's how he was reacting. And so it was almost like there's this sensitivity that's lacking sometimes coming from Lindsay, even though she's just responding based on the way that she processes things, which is just factually in a little bit more of a hardened way than he does.
2: Yeah. And I feel like you can always tell when they are processing things on their own and how it comes out versus like, for example, when they call Kyle the next day and are talking about skipping the boat. And you can really just tell that they have had a conversation about it. And it's like a we, like Lindsay's talking about Danielle's negativity and Carl is talking about, you know, how he thinks it's best for him to stay out of the house right now. Like it's just always so obvious. I mean, by the way, as they should, but when they've like sort of therapized it with each other versus like you said, they have their own very, very individual, unique reactions when they're sort of dealing with things on their own.
0: And again, this is a time where you were so hyper aware of the reality TV component of it all. Meaning, if they weren't on a show, most likely, or honestly, maybe he would have based on the way that Danielle had been acting, but most likely, Robert wouldn't have taken the 24 hours post-engagement to bring this up to Carl. You know, like everything is so fresh and he wants to just still be riding this high and he doesn't have that ability to. So I think that was also really weighing on him. He was like, why am I doing all of this? Like this show is now becoming a, a factor in why I can't fully
2: enjoy my engagement. Yeah, it's like, I think the big moments in your life like this, when the show is around, I feel like a, a lot of reality stars probably deal with this. It's like, why am I doing this? Like now I'm going to look up back on my proposal and all of these elements of being on the show are going to tarnish it. Like that is really... Probably something really sad to stomach. It can be an incredible thing. It can provide you so many opportunities. It can document it. It can add so many fun elements, but also it can add in the shit like this. Like we even said last week when Kyle has to pull Carl aside and even tell him in the first place that Danielle was upset. Like, would you really do that at your best friend's engagement party? Probably not. I mean, you know, it's a, a lot of years of conditioning. It's the producers. It's the situation. It's like, all right, we got two episodes left. You know, you can't just leave this hanging and call him two weeks later because the filming is wrapped at that point. So it's just, it's really hard. And also I checked. I know we were like curious about the timeline. Based on everything, Lindsay and Carl got engaged at the end of August and the news about Danielle and Robert breaking up was six months later. So, you know, obviously... There were things happening months before that they broke up, but I think that this was a time where Danielle and Robert, I assume, were still in a pretty good place before things, I think, began to sort of crumble to the point of them breaking up.
0: Yeah, I mean, I still think that there were cracks in that foundation in a deep way. Oh but my God,
2: yeah. Yeah, but I don't think
0: she was as aware of it or maybe even not acknowledging it to the full extent in the way that she would be if this was being filmed three months later.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Do you think, though, that they're having a conversation like, Uh, maybe they, maybe this could have led to something like a larger conversation of like, why are we not engaged or what's going on in our relationship where they, you know, started dating after us and now are engaged. Like, I wonder if this was sort of a domino effect. I think it probably would have happened anyway. Like we saw there were issues, but if Carl and Lindsay getting engaged sort of amplified that in any way.
0: Yeah. I mean, who's to say, I think it definitely would have happened anyway, you know, from what we've seen, it just wasn't sustainable. Like the demands of his job were very frustrating to her and it wasn't allowing them to have a lot of quality time the lack of quality time builds frustration i think she was going through some other shit internally it just it wasn't it wasn't going to happen this wasn't the time for them who's to say is it possible they could get back together yes but i think we did start to see cracks in that i mean there's so much here obviously i want to talk about post boat day with the hat situation but i just want to go back to what you said about the phone call when Kyle calls them, and you know, Carl and Lindsay have this very united front of they're not going to come back, they think it's best, which I agree. Honestly, for their sake, it probably was best that they didn't. But what I think is happening, at least from my lens as a viewer, is like there's this really interesting conflation going on about how. They're having the best day of the summer, them meeting the cast, and Carl and Lindsay aren't there, right? And if you look at it from Carlin Lindsay's angle, they're saying, you know what? Danielle's negativity is taking over what should be a really happy moment for us. So we are going to remove ourselves from that. And that whole situation is what's causing this weirdness. Whereas the rest of the cast's interpretation is like, yeah, obviously that was going on, but also Carlin Lindsay's energy helps to create this space that is not the most enjoyable for all of us. And I think that if I'm Carl and Lindsay, I'm like, that's not entirely fair because some of the reason that they were or would have been so off was because of the environment that Danielle was creating, even though prior to any of this Danielle shit happening, everyone in the cast, even their closest friends had acknowledged that like, yeah, there's something about them together that does create this little bit of a weird environment. Do you
2: know what I mean? Did I explain that at all clearly? Like, yeah, because I think we came into the summer and it was like Carl and Lindsay came in and it was like wah wah wah. Like no one really was dying to hang out with them. They like their energy apart, but like together they didn't really like it. But apart they are just like different than they are used to them, which like is not a bad thing. It just was different. But yeah, I think it's like partially because there's this huge elephant in the room with Danielle, but also like maybe they're just not that fun and maybe they are a little bit of Debbie Downer. So the mix of the two allowed everyone to sort of like breathe a sigh of relief and make everything feel a little bit lighter. Okay, I I actually am bursting to talk about this hat thing. This was so wild, Isabel. This was wild. I I mean, like, let's just put this in perspective for a second. Lindsay and Carl clean out their entire room. Like they pack up like they are never coming back to this house ever again, okay? And the sort of vibe is like, everyone is bed hopping every night. Like maybe they, yes, had a specific assigned room, but like it is sort of an open door policy. Unless someone is literally showering and having sex, it's like the doors are open. Everyone's in and out of each other's rooms, drinking, sharing shit, whatever. Okay, they've cleaned out the entire room. They leave two cowboy hats sitting on the nightstand. That's it. Not a charger, not a toothbrush, not a face wash to be found. The boys go into the room to see, like, oh, is it really empty? They see the two hats and they put them on and they're just running around having a good old time. They're not putting the hats in the pool, they're not ripping them, they're not destroying them. And Danielle comes in and you literally would have thought that they took Lindsay's engagement ring and were like rubbing it up on the sidewalk or that they were reading their diary or throwing their personal photos, one of a kind, into the bushes. I mean, if that's not the most loaded reaction to analyze, then I don't know what it is.
0: Oh, it beyond so. I mean, beyond so. To her, the cowboy hat's and I should say, the removal of the cowboy hats signified a true ending that she didn't want to believe existed. Because even in her confessional, she says, As much as I hate what has happened, as much as I hate that they've moved themselves out, as much as I hate that I wasn't a part of their engagement, I still love them and I'm still loyal to them. And I feel like people taking shit out of their room feel so permanent, like it's an end, an ending that I didn't want. Which again was very evident in her extreme overreaction to really what was a pretty playful situation. And there's so much to unpack even in that. My thing is if I'm not even Chris and Corey, because they were just the stand-ins, but if I'm anyone in that house, really honestly, if I'm Kyle and I have kind of been the in-between between this engagement and then communicating it to Danielle, I'm sitting there saying to myself, you have made the energy in this house unbearable for the last 48 hours because of your reaction to their engagement. So much to the point that people in this home felt uncomfortable even being excited for them based on the scene that you created. Now, all of a sudden, you want to come in and police the way that people are allowed to react to them not being there, even though the reason that they are not there is because of you? Like, that is... I understand she was just fucking freaking out and something about the cowboy hats really, really triggered her. But that was such a lack of self-awareness in the moment to be like, the only reason this playful moment was even able to arise was because of the scene that you created, thus causing Carl and Lindsay to want to leave. And you then get on this high horse acting as though nothing happened for the last 48 hours and your loyalty that you had to them pre this whole situation is now fully reinstated in a way where you get to play the moral authority. It's like, where was your loyalty to them when the rest of the house wanted to celebrate the engagement? Yeah. It's off. I'm sorry. It's it's off. I understand she was just fucking losing it and what she said in her confessional when she was tearful is true. Like she was really just having a reaction. Something about that hit on something in her. But it was so, it was so
2: um, frustrating. I found it very frustrating to witness. I found it just bizarre. It's like you are literally, everyone knows you're feuding with them and not in a good place. And all of a sudden, your your loyalty is now being tested because it's whether or not you make a stand about them going in the room and taking the hats. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this, but like Craig kind of said it best, obviously not in the most elegant way, but basically saying like, if she finds out that everyone in the room were fucked and like, that is really truly what I felt like it was. Like she had to be there and sort of be the Lindsay defender police because that is her innate reaction, what she's been doing for six plus years. And everyone knows what's going on here. It was so, it was so off. And I mean, I wonder what Lindsay's reaction will be watching that back, obviously because she wasn't there.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, if you're Lindsay and you're watching the season back, no amount of Danielle defending you over the boys, taking your cowboy hats is going to make up for her going up to every single one of your family and friends at your engagement party, criticizing the way in which Carl proposed to you based on not including her. Like it, it, I truly believe at this point, it's too far gone. And I, honestly think part of this was Danielle almost coming out of the haze she was in for the last 48 hours and realizing kind of how bad her reaction was and like now wanting to pick up the pieces in terms of possibly trying to repair it. You know, like she knew that one of the reasons that Carl left was because of her reaction to the entire situation. So I think in a way, this was what she viewed as like a tangible way that she could mend it, even though the two are completely Separate. Here's the thing: it is true that Danielle has been a wonderful friend to Lindsay for the past six years, and I think there is a lot of built-up anger, frustration Danielle probably feels towards Lindsay for the realization that a lot of that maybe hasn't been reciprocated. And it's not to invalidate what she's feeling in that, but this is hands down the most significant moment in Lindsay's life ever. And so, I just think if if you're Lindsay and you're
2: looking at it going forward
0: it's like, it's the nail in the coffin. Nothing's
2: changing that. I also thought it was interesting that Danielle was viewing this in two parts of the engagement. Like, okay, I wasn't included. I talked all that shit in the engagement party, but there's a second chance for this to all be reversed. I mean, even though what she did in my eyes was irreversible. But when Lindsay finds out about how it all went down and all the surprises and things that went on sort of behind her back, to come to me and be like, I wish you were included more. Like, I'm sorry you weren't included more, but like, I can't wait to, you know, plan the wedding and be on this journey with you. Like, I love you. Of course, I'd want you to know. I'm sorry if that hurt your feelings. It was a miscommunication. And like, Carl really wanted to keep it close to the chest. So she was sitting around waiting. Like, we, from our perspective, thought the damage is done. And by the way, she was diving in, like, she wasn't holding back waiting to see what when the other shoe dropped but she was waiting almost as a test to see like okay when Lindsay learned about how this went down and knew i wasn't involved what would she do and clearly Lindsay did absolutely nothing so i think for danielle it was like a double whammy that i don't know that there was a possible redemption and it just didn't happen and i think that's when she really lost it even more Yeah,
0: I mean, I think what's starting to happen here, which is certainly the most triggering for Danielle, is she's starting to pick up on Lindsay's kind of apathy to the situation or what she views to be Lindsay's apathy to the situation. Meaning, yeah, Danielle is fucking pissed, but anger is still an emotion and there's still an intensity surrounding that emotion. Whereas I think she views Lindsay as kind of just not giving a fuck and specifically Lindsay not saying anything to her after the fact really signals Lindsay not giving a fuck. Whereas... I don't think technically Lindsay doesn't give a fuck but that is certainly the way that she's reacting because this whole thing is enough for Lindsay to say I'm done. You know, she's grieved it. She's moved on. She is so tuned into what's going on with her and Carl that she has no place right now for Danielle and what she used to be as Danielle's bullshit in her life. And Danielle's so not in that place. I mean, they just could not be at more different spots in terms of the ending of their friendship because even though Danielle will say wow, I guess it's really done, it wasn't. There's so much more there for her whereas Lindsay has mourned it in a completely different and I would say a far more rapid way. Oh, a
2: hundred percent. I feel like if ever, but maybe Lindsay would have felt it more like, let's say when she comes to wedding planning or when everything settles down a bit, I think at this point too much damage has been done. So it's just gotten worse and worse. But if it had been left at this, perhaps she would have had a delayed reaction when she was sort of out of the bubble and the cloud had lifted but I just don't think that's possible. I mean, I'm shocked to see that they show up again next week. I think we forget like they are obligated to, especially because they have a sort of nonchalant, like senioritis attitude about filming the show and being on the show. And like, as soon as conflict comes up, they can say, well, we're going to Southampton Social to see our real friends and it becomes conflict or like we're leaving the house. I mean, I do think it is important, especially for Carl that they've learned like when we're not in a good situation, we do need to step away for a bit. But also. They are in a contract and like they have to show up to the finale episode filming, which forces these conversations. I don't know what that'll look like, but it's just like to see them come back. I was shocked because I think if this wasn't a show, we would never ever see them again.
0: Well, wasn't it also interesting when they were moving out the first time in you show? Carl wanted to cover the cameras, and you hear Lindsay being like, "Babe, I know we're pissed, but." They still have to show how we left. you know. They still have to show how all of this went down, which I think last week I was making the point about how if you compare Carl and Lindsay and the way that they handle things, like Lindsay is just more stoic than he is. You know, He he feels things and reacts to things in a different way. And in a lot of ways, he's softer. He, not necessarily more emotional, but he just handles things very differently. And so to me, I felt like this is a moment where he was having such a human reaction and she was handling things more so in the way that a reality star does. And that is a real distinction between the two of them.
2: I also think it just shows that Carl has a lot of like animosity towards the show. And, you know, he really is just angry at all of the things that the show has brought on to sort of lead to them in this position. And he was viewing like the cameras being there almost as a player in the game. Whereas like, I think Lindsay sort of just views it as a third party. Like they're just watching all the shit go down where Carl, I think, feels like it actually has really meddled in the situation. And maybe he's just regretful or resentful about it at all in a moment like this. I don't know. But yeah, it's totally the reality star mindset. Like it's a Kim versus Courtney, you know, like Kim is like, let the cameras in. And Courtney is like, absolutely. I don't need this recorded. Like get it out of here. It's up to us.
0: Yeah, which again, listen, I am rooting for Carl and Lindsay, truly. Like if they found happiness together, I wish them the best. And I think certainly their years and years of friendship will only aid in a sustainable relationship. At the same time, you'd be lying to say that at times it isn't slightly concerning just the difference in the way they handle things. And people don't have to handle things the same to be married. But,
2: you know, we're talking about two very, very, very different people here. Speaking of opposites attract... Paige and Craig. Oh, yeah. I I could watch this shit all day. I said to you, I love analyzing them. And again, it's a hard lens because it's a year later. We know they're still together. We know they're going strong. We know they still have a place in New York, a place in Charleston, each of them, and they're not engaged, so... You know, it's very telling to watch these conversations that were going down almost a year ago. I mean, there's not a lot to say here. I just think that they are extremely different people in the way that they react. And I think Craig was having like a really vulnerable emotional moment, and Paige was not picking up on that because she wasn't like clued in on the information. And it's just like it's a lot, you know, It's a lot also when he's coming in as a visitor to the house and she's there with all the girls. Like, I do understand when they can't have a moment alone, how it can be like really, really taxing, especially when you have other shit going on outside of it that's upsetting you.
0: Well, I think the other thing that was going on here, and I'm not sure how you felt about this or how anyone else felt, but... You know, in the past, we've seen Paige can get frustrated with Craig's reactions to things and that he can be very over the top. He can be dramatic. Sometimes he has these big, strong emotions to things that cause him to react poorly. And then Paige is the one that has to deal with the aftermath. But to me, this was a totally different type of situation. This was him having an emotional, internal reaction. He really wasn't taking it out on anyone. He was kind of just going through it. But I think what's happened is that she's almost been desensitized to the drama surrounding his feelings because at times it can be. Like so detrimental. And this was maybe a moment where, like, he was allowed to be a little bit dramatic because he was just hurting and he felt really invalidated by her not reacting. But in the past, her not reacting has been the best method to handle him. So it was kind of just like a disconnect. It was honestly a little bit awkward because I felt that he, you know, just wanted to be nurtured and she definitely wasn't giving nurturing energy. At the same time, she gets frustrated with him and maybe it's hard for her to differentiate. I just like. I root for them so fucking hard. I really, really do. And I think that they could have a great life together. It's just, you know, I do go back to the Charleston, New York thing of like, it, it's such a different way of life. And I'm not saying a compromise can't be made, but at a certain point, if you want to have children, which they
2: both express wanting to have, it's, I don't know, there's just a lot of obstacles that go into that. I just don't see either of them budging. And it's like, you can be so in love, a perfect match, whatever, but if neither of you literally will pick up and move your stuff physically, what does that look like? I mean, do you live in Charleston, keep a place in New York, but then Paige isn't, like, I, I don't know. I just don't know what those conversations look like. Maybe we'll see them talk about at the reunion. I'm sure we'll hear them both talk about it as things go on, maybe when they do eventually get engaged. Like, who's to say? But yeah, it's like, I also think Craig was feeling like, I don't know. He was pulling at like past emotions that he's had and making sort of sweeping statements. Like she always just like says, Oh, you're such a fucking pussy. When like, I don't think that's really true. I think it has happened in the past and it was triggering this in him again. So this was, I just, I just fucking love watching them. I honestly don't even have that much to say. Like there's not much to say here because I think that they actually do work things out and talk things out. But it was just like a fascinating aspect of this to watch when I was expecting it to just be more of Danielle and Carl and Lindsay. And then we got hit with like this real storyline about Craig and Paige and watching them interact.
0: Well, but even before that, when he's with Sierra and they're having that conversation and he says, yeah, you know, I didn't realize that maybe we were farther away from it than I thought. And I was always a love is enough guy. And now I'm starting to realize that I do have to, you know, put some importance on the more logistical factors like he's having a real shift in the way that he's viewing this whole situation because obviously his you could call it more naive or more hopeless romantic approach is now being challenged a little by her more intellectualized processing of this and so it, yeah, it's it's really so much less about Paige and so much more about Craig. And I think the way that he is starting to wrap his head around the reality of their situation, I don't necessarily mean that negatively. It's just different than the world that he's been living in. And it's just rare that you are getting a front row seat to watching someone process that in real time.
2: Yeah. I mean, the it's not really about his mom's birthday. It's about not being there, feeling disconnected. And maybe the reality that he might have to be away from them for a long time. It's so many things. Oh my, I mean, I really do think we need a like summer house, but them in New York, just watching them live their normal lives, not in the house. Cause like it's fun and it's great. But again, we've said it a million times, they've sort of grown out of it. And we need like a Sam and Corey vibe in the house. And then just to watch these characters sort of grow and blossom and do their thing outside of the house and be, like, grown-ups, you know? Like, I love Kyle. I just don't need to see him, like, in a theme party outfit drinking and making an announcement on the mic again. Like, we've done it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I just think that
0: you do a medley. So it's like, maybe let's have five less themed parties and use those to shoot you know, Craig and Paige in her New York apartment talking about what they're going to do with Charleston. I really do think if Summerhouse, if they want to keep the cast relatively how it is now, they have to transition to some more city scenes because I, I it, it adds more substance in a way that makes it feel more authentic. Because if you think about it, if you map out their summer, like, there's just more time and more of their life decisions being made in the city than there are in the Hamptons. So, like, we need to see some of that. You can't, you can't make right. up for lost time just on the weekends. Like, from the viewer perspective, I don't know if people agree or disagree with that, but that's how I feel. Uh, yeah, we're just missing half the story. I don't know. This was a lot. I, every time we record a summer house segment, I. Actually, other than last week, last week I really stand by everything I said. Sometimes in the moment here, I'm like, "Fuck, I don't, I don't think the point landed in the way that I wanted to," because I have such strong feelings about this. But it's hard to get it out sometimes.
2: Well, yeah, we also like could literally talk about this for ten hours, you know. And I say this every time, but it's true. Like, I, I change how I feel every second. Like, they could tweet something, post something, we could see something next week that could literally flip it all on its head for me. So. I don't know. These are just sort of my initial reactions. And like, I hear you say something, I'm like, oh, wait, yeah, I also agree with that too. But I know it's just, it's so fun to analyze. I know. I think the thing for me is that
0: just generally speaking, the way in which Lindsay handles pretty much every conflict is so antithetical, not only to the way that I do, but also to like the way in which I would feel the most supported for someone to. So it's strange for me to be more on her side definitely with this Danielle thing while still disagreeing with the surrounding elements like i thought that that conversation with carl i thought it was hard to stomach i'm not going to lie to you you know like even though at the end of the day if you're asking me if i'm more on danielle or lindsay's side i i'm more on lindsay's side but i still think that aspects of her personality that can be challenging come out in the conversations with carl like it's just a lot it's it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot yeah Whew. okay well that is a wrap for today. Isabel and I will be back this week for all things Vanderpump. I mean, we're,
2: we're going to record that episode, what, 1045 after Ariana's on Watch What Happens? I'm like so excited. Like, I want to listen to our episode right now. I'm so jealous of future me. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. Holy fuck. Okay. Well, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you
0: for letting us do this. Thank you for putting up with these interesting episode formations
2: and uh, we'll see you later this week. Tell the celebrities they got to get more interesting. They got to take a note from like the Summer House and the Vanderpump cast. Ain't that the truth.